There's a tremendous interest in angels these days. Tremendous interest. Newsweek had a, a magazine article last year on the angelic explosion. You go to B. Dalton bookstores, and they have got, um, they've got uh, uh, a whole section just on angels. They've got the New Age section, they've got the philosophy section, they've got a religious inspirational section, and then they've got a whole section on angels. It's, it's, it's incredible. And I went to, uh, to various different bookstores, B. B Dalton's and Walden's and Barnes and Noble's, and just kind of did a uh, cursory overview of, of some of the books that are out there. There's 33 different books published within the last two years on angels. And some of it uh, is, is very good. I've read a couple of them. Some of it is, is not so very good. Some of it's pretty kind of tabloid stuff. But there's this tremendous interest on angels. And so I thought it'd be good as we're talking about Hebrews chapter 1, the whole, the whole chapter is about angels, specifically about how Jesus is greater than the angels. But I thought it'd be a good occasion to sit down and ask the question, what is true and what is not true about angels? What does the Bible say about angels? These ones that the, the, the author of Hebrews says are, are ministering spirits. Um, how do you separate the myth from the reality in terms of all the angel talk that's going on there? And then to ask this question, what difference does it make? And this morning, just in the next uh, 15 minutes or so, I'm going to lay the, the groundwork for it, and I'll continue uh, with some more detailed questions about angels uh, next week. But I want to start by sharing with you uh, this. For a lot of us here in this auditorium, I bet if we were willing to stand up and, and let people think that we are a little weird, we would admit that we've had experiences that perhaps count as angel experiences. Maybe for some of you it's not even a perhaps, it's a certain thing. You've been touched by an angel, and you know that they're real. I've always been interested in angels. I've got angel calendars in my office. I, I, I have a book here. I read these kind of books. Uh, the Dictionary of Angels, these kind of bird people. And, and uh, I've always been interested in that. And part of the reason is this. My first experience with angels was, was at a very young age. I was about five or six years old living in Lansing, Michigan. Our house was surrounded by this, this woods. And I lived in a... I was being at this time raised uh, in, in a pretty uh, unfriendly environment. I never thought like my stepmother liked me much, and she was at times a little abusive in her punishment. And I ran away from home a lot. I, it was a regular occurrence. I'm running away from home, and I declared, and I'd walk out the door, and I'd go out into the woods. And I had a place in the woods that I'd always go to. It was a safe place. It was a, a special place. It was this opening in the woods, and the sun would shine through this opening and it would create this warm circle of light on the ground, uh, in, in, in contrapositioning of the whole dark force, there was this, this opening of light there. And I always used to go there, and I felt like that was my secret place. No one knew about this place. It was a sacred place for me. I had my own little treasure buried out there. I'd keep some toys out there. And whenever I'd run away from home, I'd go out there. And something made me feel kind of protected out there. There was one time where I ran away from home, and I don't even know why I did it, but I remember I was crying very hard, and I went out to this space I still sometimes think of this space, I picture it when I pray, and I go to that space, and I meet the Lord there in that space. That's, it's kind of an altar for me. But I went to this, uh, this, this opening in the woods. I, I, I was about six years old, because we moved from there when I was seven. So I was pretty young. I was, I was crying profusely, and I was just feeling very distraught, and it was very, a very troubling time for me. And I, I sat at the rim of this, this uh, uh, sunlight, this circle sunlight on the ground, Underneath, there's behind me all these tall pine trees. And there's a wind blowing through these pine trees. And somehow or other, I end up falling asleep. And I have no idea how long I was asleep for. But I woke up. 
And I was in this kind of um, twilight stage between sleep and awake, and I was listening to the sound of the wind going through the trees, which is still to this day my favorite sound in the whole world. That, 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 that whispering, that, that, that blow. And as I was listening to this wind, I all of a sudden thought I could hear whispering. And I thought that there must be, at first I thought there was people there, but then I thought, no, wait a minute, they're whispering. And they're talking about me. I couldn't make out what they were saying, but I could occasionally hear the words, and so I thought there was angels around talking. Now, I didn't want to open my eyes because I didn't know what they looked like, and I was kind of scared, but I also didn't want them to go away. And so I just sat there, and I, tried, I was trying to, like, listen. Like, <laughs> and I couldn't make out what they were saying, but it was beautiful. It was like, and, and when the wind would blow stronger, they'd, they'd whisper faster. I told my son about this, and we've tried to listen to angels in the trees, and we're talking to see Pocahontas, and he was just delighted to find out that Pocahontas does the same thing. So dad is not so strange. <laughs> it, it, it's a, but at that moment, I had a sense that, just a sense, a, a tremendous calm came over me, a tremendous peace came over me, and I had a sense that everything's going to be okay. Somehow, someway, I'm going to be all right. I'm surrounded by these I didn't think of it then, but I know now, ministering spirits. And you may think, well, that was just your imagination. That was just wind in the trees. And maybe it was, but God used it to give a little kid a lot of peace who needed peace at that time. First experience with with angelic presences. A lot of us have stuff like this. In fact, if you're visiting here this morning, I'll tell you up front, this can be a flaky church, all right? So we got people who are just a little weird here. But I have heard at least 50 times. I'm not exaggerating. It might be up to 70 times. I haven't counted. But a lot of people say that sometimes during worship service here, they've heard angels singing on top of it. I, okay, I, I wonder if you're willing to stand up and be counted. How many people here have thought they heard angels while we were singing? Okay, one, two, come on, man, don't even feel Okay, okay, I see that hand. Okay, a, a few of you have. On soft songs especially, there's this like crystal voices that are over here. Just several weeks ago, there was a, a person who came up to me and and just reported to me what they heard. They said they were standing in the back as it was after service let out and we were still worshiping the Lord. And all of a sudden, it sounded like the auditorium was filled with, 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 with a, a quadraphonic stereo system, a surround sound. And began to wonder what the guy was doing with the soundboard. He says, doing something, some funky reverb with the sound system. And he looked around and there wasn't anyone around. But he heard these voices, these very high soprano voices. Now, I'm a, a Western academic, you know, and I don't buy this angel stuff very easily. And I heard these people, first one, then five, then 15 people reporting this angelic, these angelic voices. One time I'm sitting out there, it was at Battle Creek about three years ago, worshiping, and I, I hear it. I hear these voices. Of course, I have a theory. I always have a theory. I, 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 I figure that there must be a choir from some church that's visiting us. Probably, you know, we get people send their choirs to check out how we do worship. So I go on an investigation during the worship service. I go to one side of the auditorium. I'm trying to find out who, you know, that was a thought weird. The pastor's sitting there kind of like, you know, but I check out, you know, who is, who is doing this beautiful singing? Trouble is, when I go to one side of the auditorium, the voices are on the other side. So I was oh, I must have misunderstood. So I go over this, the other side, and these angels had to be laughing at this because now they're on the other side of the auditorium. Okay, lock me up. I Fine, put me in a jacket. But that's what went on. So I come to the conclusion that, in fact, there are sometimes angelic voices. And why should that surprise us? The Bible says such things. I want to sit here and sort out a little bit what's true and not true in terms of what's being said about angels. And there's only two things I want to drive home this morning in the next ten minutes. 
Number one, angels are real. Angels are real. They're real beings. They're not metaphors. They're not symbols. They're not uh, childhood ideas. They're not fairy tales. Now, I understand why some people may think that they're fairy tales, because so often, as they're pictured in books, they look like fairies. What does that look like to you? Looks like a fairy to me. Uh, you know, they, they have these, I mean, they're, they're human in form, but they're always wearing these, these loose, loose robes. They're always in the bathrobes. What, don't get dressed? And, and they got these, these feathery things sticking out, and they always have this, this kind of um, stoned look in their face. I can't think of any other expression for it. They're, you know, like, they're a little glazed. Even this one. It's just, it's a, they're always female, too. They're, not always, but, but a lot of times, you see stepping on Satan, or she's stepping on Satan, but she's got this look in her face, and so you look at that stuff and you think, well, that's fairy tale stuff. Uh, that's, that's just, they look, the worst ones are Raphael's paintings. You ever look at some of at the great paintings? I love Raphael. But I don't know where he got this idea that angels are little chubby babies sitting around in clouds with bows and arrows with wings sticking out of their backs. <laughs> Overfed little munchkins up there. And, and uh, you look at this stuff and you think, that can't be real. If that's what you think about angels, you know, C.S. Lewis said this in his book Screwtape Letters. He's got a, a major demon talking to a little demon trying to give advice. And he says, try to get people to believe the pictures, that, to, to think that that's really what Satan looks like. Uh, you know, the, the, the idea that he's got horns on his head, he's dressed up in a riot outfit, he's got one of these little slithery, you know, uh, snidely whiplash mustaches, and he's got hoofs on his feet and a point on his tail, and he carries a pitchfork. Try to get people to think that that's the way Satan really is, because no one will believe that. Try to get them to believe a caricature. And we get a lot of caricatures about angels here. Now, angels can appear in human form. Like the Bible says that sometimes when you're talking to a person, you're talking to an angel. i got two angel stories uh, be- between the services of people who are sure that they had talked to angels, but they look like human beings. Monica. That's not what Monica really looks like now. Monica, well, first of all, she's an actress, but if she was an angel, they put on a human disguise. Okay, and so that's when they look, you know, this... Maybe they talk with an Irish brogue. I don't know. I, but uh, that's a disguise she's wearing. Real angels don't look like that. Some angels have wings, the Bible says. But other ones, they never mentions wings. The one class of angels that have wings are called cherubim. And you want to know what they look like when they take off their mask. You know, there's a reason why throughout the Bible, one of the first things the angels say to people when they appear is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, Monica would never have to say, don't be afraid. I'm an angel. No, the, the, the most... You know, awesome she gets is this little white light on her head when, they, when she gives her sermon at the ends of the TV show that always gets me choked up. But it's not dazzling. But you look at the biblical angels, and see, we're talking about real beings here. The, these are the real extraterrestrials. The, 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 the cosmos is populated with them, but they're a totally different kind of life. They don't have the organs and stuff that we have that are adapted to our environment. They live in a totally different environment. They live in a spiritual environment. And when they show up and they don't put on their human mask, it's terrifying. Listen to the one report, Ezekiel. I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north. An immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. Okay, again the picture here. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal. And in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. Each of them had four faces with four wings. I don't know, the faces were on the wings? I don't know. Their legs were straight. Their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished bronze. Okay, their feet are glowing now. Upon their wings, on their four sides, these are cherubim and they have wings. I don't know why. They had the hands of a man. 
Under their wings, they had the hands of, of a man. The wings are on all four sides. Try to picture that. Wing here, wing there, wing there, wing there. <laughs> and and they, had, they had faces and wings. Uh, their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a man. And on the right side, each had the face of a lion. On the left side, they had a face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle. I like Monica better. (laughs) Can I just have a red-haired Irish girl, you know? But these are the good angels. These are the good guys. This is is what the good ones look like, okay? These are are on God's side. Lord help you if you ever see what one of the bad ones look like. But they're, they're, they're different kind of creatures. They're not these little fairies that are out there. They're real. They're real. Now, we are trained in our culture to think about reality in terms of what is material. But consider this. Every art of the culture that's ever existed has known that that's not the case. We believe intuitively. Every person that's ever lived on this earth intuitively. They may not believe in angels, but they want to believe in angels. And there's something in their gut that says this cosmos, we are not alone on, in, the, in this universe. The world is populated by beings. Every primitive tribe that's ever lived from the dawn of history up till now has, has assumed this much. We are the weird ones for thinking that they don't exist. What is more, this is something that's really been fascinating me, is that anthropologists have been verifying more and more, secular anthropologists, non-Christian anthropologists, have been verifying more and more, increasingly in the last several decades, that the spirit world of these primitive, quote-unquote, primitive tribes, spiritually speaking, some of them are enlightened compared to America, but these so-called primitive tribes, they're verifying that their beliefs are, in fact, real. Let me give you one illustration of it. I read a book this last Thursday from a secular anthropologist. Her name is Edith uh, Turner. Her and her husband did some uh, groundbreaking research on some primitive tribes in in Africa. But they always did it as sort of Western academics who just sort of analyzed the belief system and analyzed all this silly ritual and analyzed all this belief in spirits and stuff. But they never believed in it, of course. They just analyzed it. But in 1985, she, she decided to participate, or they let her participate, in one of their rituals. And it changed her life. The ritual is a ritual. They call it the Yamba ritual. And it was basically an exorcism. And there was a young lady who was possessed. That wasn't the term they used, but from the description of her in in, in line with the scripture, you'd see that uh, she was acting like someone who was possessed. The head spiritual priest or whatever of this tribe was doing a prayer over her, and the people were all around her dancing or whatever. And this anthropologist reports in this book called Experiencing Ritual, this and it changed her worldview now. She saw this entity protrude out of this young girl's back. And she's just describing it as an, as an atheistic anthropologist. There's this black, opaque blob that comes out of her back and hovers in the air. And then the, the, uh, uh, the woman is freed, apparently, from the spiritual thing. And the, the high priest does a thing to kind of pack this blob into a can. And it's bizarre. It's crazy. But what this lady is saying now is this. You can't, she couldn't deny it. She saw it right there. And the conclusion of her book is this, and it's a cl- conclusion I think Westerners need to hear, is that she said, the Africans are right. The world is inhabited by spiritual beings. There are spiritual presences all over us, and people really can be spiritually afflicted. And it is we in Western culture that are blinded to this. We are the ignorant ones. We are in this area, the primitive ones, because we are so narrow as to think that reality is limited to what we can see and touch and taste and, and feel. But she says there's a whole world out there that we know nothing about, but that some of these primitive people do know about. The angelic stuff is real. In this auditorium, I really believe, in the core of my being, there are angelic presences. There are angelic beings all over the place. Perhaps there are even evil angelic presences we'll talk about here in a second. 
The world is inhabited by such beings. We need to be aware of them. We need to be aware of them. They make a difference. It makes a difference in your life. Here's why. And this is the second point I want to make this morning. These creatures are these creatures are personal beings. They are not robots. They don't they don't have faces like this where they don't like they have any personality or any expression. They are personal beings. According to the Bible, they've got names, personal names. We have a couple of them in the Bible, Gabriel and, and Michael. They have, they have personal jobs that they have to do. They have assignments that they are to carry out. There are ranks of them. The Bible talks about good and evil, dominions and powers and authorities and rulers and archangels and so on and so on. And we know next to nothing about any of this in terms of detail, so there's no use in speculating, but we do know that there's a hierarchical order to them. Some of them are given jobs to watch over entire nations. Like Michael, it says in the book of Daniel, was given charge to watch over all of Israel. Some of them, one was given the charge of watching over uh, Persia. He's called the Prince of Persia. There are individual guardian angels. Guardian angels. The Bible says that. That's not just a fairy tale. It says in Psalms 91, that uh, uh, concerning believers, he shall give his angels charge over you. You have guardian angels. In fact, did you know this? Lucifer, in Ezekiel 28, is called a guardian cherubim. He was supposed to be a guardian angel, perhaps guarding the whole earth, perhaps guarding the whole cosmos, but he screwed up. He blew it. We'll talk about that more in a second. They're guardian angels. The Bible says in Matthew 18, Jesus says that that the angels of little children always behold the face of the Father. They've got guardian angels. It used to freak me out. It kind of still freaks me out to think you've got a guardian angel. It's like, you know, someone's watching me right now. What about privacy? Doesn't that... It's like... When I was a kid, it really screwed me up. I used to, my brain would go on weird things, but I, I, I saw a lot of pictures of, of these angels, and they all looked like women. I don't know why they do that. Even Michael. He, I wish he looked more like a Michael. But they got this long, flowing hair. We had a picture in my house of these two guardian angels over these little children walking over a bridge, and they're female. So I assumed that all angels are women. And then I'm taught as a good little Catholic boy growing up that we all have our guardian angels who's always there beside us. Now, I don't know how, you know, if you know about this, but little boys, when they get to be about seven or eight, become very self-conscious about certain bodily functions. And it began to freak me out that I got these female angels following me into the bathroom. <laughs> and it's like, you know, would you please, you know, go. For about a year, I would sit on the toilet, no matter, even if I was going to tinkle, uh, urination, <laughs> because I thought maybe they couldn't see through the porcelain toilet. It's kind of like, you can't, you know, I was like, yeah, at least that'll turn their backs on stuff, you know? What can make a little kid pretty paranoid when you think about it? They're personal beings. You have guardian angels. They are there. They're in the same way that you say, why does God do that? Well, why does God give kids to parents instead of raising them himself? He shares responsibility. There are, there, are, there are guardians who watch over things like that. There are guardians who fight. There's different jobs that they do. Here's the other thing that we've got to know. They also have free will. And a lot of people just don't think in these terms. But they are not so different from us, according to Scripture. The spiritual world is not that different from the, from the, from the physical world. They have free will. Uh, in, in Job chapter 4, verse 18, it says, uh, it says this, If God charges his angels with error, how much more human beings? And what he's saying there is this. If the angels aren't infallible, why think that human beings are infallible? We're not. Even the angels aren't infallible. The Bible says there's one who is perfect, and that is God. Everything else is imperfect. In Psalms 82, yeah, they have an assembly of, of various angels. They have that in heaven, just like we have them down here. The spiritual world isn't that different from, from uh, the physical world. That's one of the things I like about that show, Touched by an Angel. I think they do a pretty good job of accurately portraying the life of an angel. 
Well, they have an assembly meeting. Read it, Psalms 82. And Yahweh reams out these angels. He's ticked off because they're not doing their jobs. He says, how long are you going to stand up on the wrong side of things? How long are you going to stand up on the, on the side of the oppressors, on the side of injustice? I told you to care for the needy, care for the widowers, care for the underdog, and here you're on the wrong side of things. If you don't shape up, he says, you're going to die like mere mortals. Ooh, he's ticked off. These angels are not infallible. They're personal beings. And here's where the rubber hits the road. They have free will. We know that from a time immemorial, a certain group of them rebelled against God. They had the free will to do that, just like people have the free will to do that. And they declared war on God. And there was, Revelations 12 tells us, a tremendous war in heaven. And there is now a group of angels headed, headed by the one who was supposed to be guardian of the whole cosmos. His name was Lucifer, bright morning star. Now it's called Satan, the adversary. And there's a war that's going on. What we've got to know about that is this. Number one, we've got to wake up to the fact, to the reality, that some of these angelic beings are in fact against God. They are for evil. It, the world is literally caught in the crossfire of a cosmic war. If you look at the world, you look at the planet, you look at the earth, there's a lot of things that look like they're just God-glorifying good things. There's a lot of stuff that's heinous, that's diabolical, children getting raped, mutilation, hatred. The world, you think, that can't be from the all-good God. The world looks like a, like a war zone. And according to Scripture, that's because it is a war zone. It's a war that's going on, and the earth has now been caught up in the middle of it. What we got to do is two things. Number one, we need to wake up to this. We need to wake up to the reality of good angels and wake up to the reality of bad angels. Because if we're not aware of it, Paul says, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. Don't be ignorant of that. If we're not aware of it, we're vulnerable to it. No different than with, with uh, third world people. They're, they're not aware of germs because they can't see them. They think it's ludicrous. And therefore, they're vulnerable to getting sick with all sorts of things they don't need to be sick of. So also we, if we're not aware of the spiritual world that is out there, we're vulnerable to it. And you may have in your marriage things going on. You may have in your relationship to your kids things going on that are spiritual in nature. And you can do all the natural things you know how to do, but if it's spiritual in nature, it's not going to go away until you confront it on a spiritual uh, basis. Think of these evil angels as sort of spiritual viruses. You've got to do things to get them off. You've got to begin to do warfare. The Bible calls us to do that. We need to wake up to the reality of that. The second thing we need to do is this. Know that God has called us to be involved in this warfare. The most important decision I believe that any of us can make is this. Which side of this war are we going to be on? We've been co-opted. The whole planet's been co-opted into a warfare that we did not start, but here we are. The question is, which side are you going to line up with? <sighs> Ultimately, life isn't about pursuing the American dream. It's not about getting rich, having a nice car. It's not about any of the things that our culture says it's about. It's about doing what Jesus did, amen? Winning the world back for Jesus Christ. And you've got to know that there are good angels on your side ministering to you, giving you strength. You've also got to know that there's spiritual things that we oppose. But here's the bottom line that we've got to know. The, the war will be won. Not by looking at any kind of angels and admiring their power. The war will be won, and it will be won, by looking to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the solution to the problems of the spiritual dimension of your marriage, the spiritual problems when your relationship with your kids, the spiritual problems with the physical things you have, the solution to that is not going to be some angel. In fact, God wants us to know about angels, but he never wants us to be preoccupied with them. The solution is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Here's why. And worship team, why don't you get ready to come forward here. I want to end with a song. Are there, is worship team around here? Yeah, worship team? <laughs> worship team, okay. Um, to which of the angels, Hebrews 1.13 says, to which of the angels did he say, sit in my right hand until I make your enemies my footstool? 
Sitting at the right hand simply means sitting in the power of God. That was their, 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 their term for glory and power. To which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son? To which of the angels did he ever say, sit in my right hand, sit in my power, sit in my glory, until I make all of your enemies your footstool? He never said it to an angel, but he said it to the Lord Jesus Christ.